Coming up with the Locked On Ole Miss podcast, we do a special teams preview. Not much of a preview, but we do a little bit of one. Um, we talk a little bit about the Caleb Williams kind of kerfuffle that went on. And then we have Tom Vanderford coming in to give his perspective on Ole Miss sports. So this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Stick around. You are Locked On Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, thanks for making the Locked On on this podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Do us a favor, hit subscribe, hit the bell, and of course, upvote the video as well. We would really appreciate it. Um, special teams-wise, an Ole Miss, you look at it, it's kind of a blank slate at this point. You have Kale Nation coming back. You have a suspension for Caden Costa that is going to go the till the week before the um, Egg Bowl. Now, because of the redshirt rules, he can play this season. He's not going to have to sit out the whole season. He could, If it comes down to it, he could play those games um, and, and not even be able to use his, not even use up his eligibility because of that. Now, I will say this. I don't know is not an excuse for um, an appeal if you want to challenge it. I've heard rumors that um, he pissed hot for Adderall and things like that and that he knew that it happened well. If you knew that it happened, then he's not expecting to win the appeal. Because my point is, what is the case for the appeal? And I don't didn't know that that wasn't a that was a drug that I shouldn't take. Is never going to be a good excuse. So he will handle that. I'm sure he's a good kid. He'll bounce back from it. Um, but the rumor is, kicking wise, right now the one that, name that's gaining steam, I think, is Parker Lewis from SC. Now, if you notice, all the coaches coming from SC over to the Ole Miss staff, the latest being Seth Daggy, um, to that was the tight ends coach at SC, is going to be an offensive analyst at Ole Miss. So all these comfortable names, it's, it's becoming a rather nice landing spot, potentially. And it is something that everybody can just be happy about what's going on in a place for them to land. Now, if Parker Lewis comes in and just absolutely kills it, with Caden Costa, what's going to happen is he's going to end up transferring out. Because we are in the age, make no mistake, we are in the age that to where there, if there's stiff competition, sure, you might compete for a little bit, might compete for the spring, but if it um, didn't reach its conclusion by the spring, you're going to be gone. It just is what it is. And the other guy is going to win. And I think that might happen, honestly. Um, this spring, kicking-wise. Um, although, who knows? This could be Kill Nation's opportunity to come out there and kick the ball really well. I've told you over and over again, if Lane Kiffin goes out and gets a transfer portal kicker, he thinks this team can be special. That's the translation there that everybody's looking for. If he thinks that this team is going to be special, he will go get a kicker because he is not going to risk losing those points Let's say it's a fourth and 13 from the 22-yard line. You want to be able to count on at least three. You don't want to go for it there. The analytics do not say to do that. I know we use analytics as a crutch, and we do all of that stuff going on, and we'll talk about that during the season. But fourth and 12, take the three. And allow this offense to grow into. But Because by the end of the season, this offense can be really, really good. But you need the special teams to do that. Now, Frazier Mason, 
um, from Australia. They signed an Aussie to a scholarship to be a punter to replace Mac Brown. Um, Aussie rule punters are athletic. They're used to kicking on the run. Um, I don't know if they're going to do, I don't know what's the word, rugby style or traditional style kicking. I think they're going to do a combination of both because why go out and get an Australian rules punter if you're not going to use what he can do? He's also a big guy. Um, so if it's a fake, there's there's a chance that he's probably going to run it once or twice um, before he is done. So I, I, I'm interested to see exactly what that looks like. Um, and because of that, um, Archie is making a ton of noise right now. Archie, stop it. Come on, bud. All right. There. Took care of that. Um, and he's barking in the other room and he's going to do that because somebody's walking with a dog and that's just what he does. So that's where the special teams sits. The return game, you know, Jerry and Ely was the kickoff return guy. I do expect something similar. I, th I expect Quinshawn Judkins to get a shot back there returning kickoffs. As far as a um, punt returner, I think Jonathan Mingo is going to get the first go back there in punt return. That's that, That's been the goal back Way when Elijah Moore sat out, the first one that went back and return, kept, caught punts was Jonathan Mingo. This is a big year for Jonathan Mingo, but that's what I think the special teams are going to look like for Ole Miss. If they sign a kicker, um, the kickoffs are you know potentially could be a good thing and could be a weapon. If they don't sign one, I don't look for it to be one. We we struggled in the kickoff game last year. Our coverage was all right, but the kicks weren't exactly what we wanted them to be. So. Football might be over this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the fired next coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one sports spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just about basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and USC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, thanks for making the Lockdown Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. So do us a favor and hit subscribe. Hit the bell to be notified of videos being posted and, of course, upvote the video. We'd appreciate it very much. So thank you very much for that. Now, in the first segment, we talked about the special teams. The special teams is a little bit of a black hole for this team. It, it just is. You don't know exactly where it could go. You have an idea of what might happen, and you can see it in your head fairly clearly. But until it actually does happen, you're a little bit concerned about it. And especially with RPMs coming in for um, defensive linemen for Ole Miss and Ole Miss having three or four initials left over. It'll be interesting to see exactly what they do and how that looks. So, one thing that was kind of interesting today is Caleb Williams' dad talked about a little bit of in-depth in his recruiting process. For those that don't know, Caleb Williams ended up transferring to USC. We all said he was going to US, go to USC. He was pretty much going to USC as soon as he announced that he was going to transfer. But his dad, as a part of the keep USC out of tampering um, charges, said this, and that is, um, we liked Lane Kiffin, but Lane Kiffin couldn't overcome that he didn't want to come to Mississippi and play football. Now, what does this mean? Is it a big deal? I don't think so. Personal preference is always going to 
um, handle a kid um, in, in the name of recruiting. I know there's some people out there that thinks all kids should just suck it up and do whatever they need to do to get wherever they need to get, but that, that's not how sports works. That's not how recruiting works. You're going to lose kids. There's just some kids that are never going to come to Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin made a pitch, talked about what was going on, couldn't overcome living in Mississippi. And for some, living in Mississippi is a problem. For instance, Oxford, Mississippi is a plenty nice town. I lived there for three or four years. Plenty nice town. But it's not L.A. as far as things to do, nightlife to see. It'll never be L.A. The number of businesses that are out and about, I mean, it'll, it just will not be Los Angeles. It just can't. It can't compete with that. You need to find the person that is looking for the Oxford, for the small town, and not the L.A. It's a personal preference thing. Now, I get why people say with Mississippi's checkered past, why they're upset um, at what Caleb Williams' dad said. And honestly, that, that still doesn't really necessarily bother me. Because a kid has a right to have his own opinion on whatever. And if it's something like that, you need to work to make that better. If that is your prep, um, reputation, it is that is what you are known for, you need to work to turn that around. And Mississippi is. Maybe not as quickly as we all expect them to, but they are. They are. And eventually, it'll get to the point where... Um, Kids aren't avoiding Mississippi because of Mississippi's past. And a lot of that was the changing of the flag. That symbolism is a huge thing. Now, there are some people, there are literally some people, that want Mississippi not to change because they like it the way it is. And take that for whatever you want to. It literally can mean anything. But they are comfortable with the way it is. And they do not want to change that because it will upset the apple cart for what they are now i see why mississippians might say that but if you do that you cannot be upset about a kid not coming here because of mississippi if a kid's uh, father said that if you if you aren't upset about change and you're completely okay with the way it is now you cannot be upset about a kid not deciding to come here period because those two things are directly related you want an inclusive environment to where you can recruit everybody? You need to work towards that. If you want a certain type of player, be what you are. And it's fine either way. I do not live in Mississippi. It is what it is. But if you're going to get mad about an article and to say things like, to hell with him, why? Why? He's not bad-mouthing Mississippi. He's just saying that he doesn't want to go to Mississippi. He doesn't want to play football in Mississippi, which is his choice, his prerogative. If that upsets you, you kind of need to change what you're doing. If you're not upset by any of that happen, if you're not upset about the way Mississippi is or somebody not coming to Ole Miss about it, if that doesn't make you angry, fine. Stay exactly as you are. Because those two things um, are related. And people need to keep that in mind. So this is the time of year I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolutions to eat right thanks to Built Bar. 
and almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you are missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors like yum, yummy cinnamon, churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, so good. These are gonna be your new favorite. And best of all, all Bill Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, Puffs included, 100% real chocolate. So, mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and for new this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are delicious and there are new flavors coming out all the time. And if they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it and it will be delicious and it will be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it delicious first, then they figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every single time. So here's your offer. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Um, do us a favor, hit subscribe, hit the bell, and of course, upvote the video. We're here with Tom Vanderford for his weekly perspectives feature where we talk about all things Ole Miss sports. Um, Tom, this is a little sneak preview, but on Monday's show... Um, Bill Flowers is going to be on it. And I did about 20 minutes of interviewing with Bill Flowers, and he broke down um, the top fastest receivers of that 2003 team, um, which stadium was the loudest, how loud um, the Vaught-Hemingway Stadium was after Travis Johnson intercepted that ball against LSU. Um, All of that stuff was covered. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I would imagine that that's one of the loudest that stadium's ever been. Uh, after Travis uh, intercepted that ball, mm-hmm. just wish Eli wouldn't have tripped. Yeah, uh, there at the end. But uh, I, you know, I was at the uh, Alabama game in 2014, uh, and that's the loudest that. I've ever heard mm-hmm. it. Yeah, when 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 Sinquez caught that, but when they, it finally, you know, the they finally relented and said it was official. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. everybody went nuts. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that um, pretty well. That 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 was pretty nuts. Um, but I think that 2003, I honestly think it was maybe louder because it was loud to begin with. Because if you remember correctly, LSU was backed up on the goal line, so they were right. already loud. And then right. um, they throw that little ball over the middle. Travis Johnson just picks it up and just moseys into the end zone, and that place just goes nuts. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that was probably the loudest it's ever been. Yeah, that um, that's one of my favorite. Both of those are um, two of my favorite moments um, ever yeah. as an Ole Miss fan. The other one, um, I was at the Immaculate Deflection. Um, I was actually in the stadium oh. for there. I know two hundred thousand oh, people claim yeah. they were there, but I was actually in there, sitting on my yeah. dad's shoulder. I was like six or seven years old at that point. Oh goodness, yeah, um, yeah. I, I uh, 
I, I, I've seen plenty of videos, but I'm pretty sure I was in the Navy at the time when that happened. But, yeah. yeah. It, it, it was an interesting game. Um, whenever the ball goes up, it's going dead center. Artie Cosby, you know, he was actually a legit good kicker. And it was only like yeah. a 27-yard field goal. I mean, the game was essentially over. And the ball right. going up, the state fans all start celebrating and stand up because they just beat Ole Miss. And we all know how much that means yeah, to yeah. state fans. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the other side, the cheering level goes up on there and the state people send down and the ball kind of get the wind blows it back. And it, it was bizarre. It'll be like something that I have not seen before or since. Um, but that that is probably my um, one of my favorite Billy Brewer games, the '86 LSU game. I'm a huge fan of. Oh yeah, '88 uh, Bama, of course. Um, Bear Bryant Museum. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, yeah. I had to. You know, I'm from Corinth, so I I grew up with John Darnell. So okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, '88 meant a lot to me too. Mm-hmm. Of course, I was in the military, so I had to get what I could get when I could get it. You know, but believe me, I know that. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, that was that was especially nice for me just growing up with a a good guy mm-hmm. and uh, seeing him succeed. You know. Yeah, uh, two thousand and three. I was in Italy, so I had to follow two thousand and three on AFN in Italy. This because of course this is back when they had broadcast dot com, so I could pick up a radio broadcast from time to time. Right. But. Right. But. <clears throat> The Auburn game, the LSU game, they're they're 2.30 games here, but there were 9.30 starts there. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, by the time it was over, it was 1 o'clock in the morning, and I was done, and I couldn't go to sleep till 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. But the fun thing is the Auburn game. It was back and forth, as most people know. And um, Eli let him down, and he threw the touchdown, and Brandon Jacobs scored to give Ole Miss the lead, and Auburn got the ball back and started driving the ball down the field. Well, she learned a lesson. That's very all wives had to learn, and she just looked at me and said, "No matter who wins this game, it has been a good game." And I was like, "Nope, do not say that to me ever again." And <laughs> so, so, and uh, by the way, um, Bill Flowers think that Auburn is the loudest stadium in the SEC. By the way, I think they're pretty loud. Mm-hmm. They're they're uh, their fan base is uh, they're pretty rabid, especially inside of of Jordan Hare. Yeah. You know, if there's a situation where LSU has to legit fear Ole Miss, like Ole Miss is going to go down to Tiger Stadium, and LSU's not going to be expecting to win that game this year. Right. So their fan base is going to be more rabid than they normally are. And that's when this game actually turns back into a rivalry because LSU fans actually do care about losing to Ole Miss, and they're just going to be dreading it this whole time. And it's going to be a little bit of a cauldron. I think it's the seventh game or seventh or eighth game of the season. Uh, yeah. That, that could be a little bit of a cauldron down there. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's But, you know, if it's it's all about the time of day with those guys. If it's if it's uh, uh, an 11 a.m. Central kickoff, you know, it's totally different than if it's uh, 7 at night, 6, 7 at night. You know, they're good and liquored up by then and – yeah, it's it's not fun. I've I've been to Baton Rouge once and I'll never go again. But <laughs> let's see. I, I went in two thousand four um, and saw Robert Lane um, play quarterback and just run yep. for a hundred yards, almost win that game. Yeah, um, I was there in ninety five 
when, um, not 95, 96, when Paul Head was the quarterback, the lefty, yep. Ole Miss came out in blue. The one time they wore blue under Tuberville was that game. And um, I went in 2006 in a game that either went to overtime or Jamarcus Russell won at the very end. So it's been yeah. very competitive games every single time other than that Paul Head one because that, that, that was pretty much a disaster. But I got to yeah. see um, Kevin Falk and Eddie Kennison and um, Herb Tyler and those guys because they were legit good. What oh, a good yeah. time for LSU football, but those, those were yeah. some legit guys. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. But that's my three experiences in Tiger Stadium. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the happiest days of my life when uh, when Nick Saban left LSU because we just we, – we couldn't beat the guy, you know. and uh, Left on an Iowa was, Hail Mary. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, yeah, hey, uh, mm, I think you said we were going to talk some about the defensive line. Uh, how about that new co-defensive coordinator, though? Yes, I got a video up on the site that um I I'm, I, I yep. snicker at every time I read it. It says who is Mo Crumb because it's a who's Harry Crumb. Um, oh yeah, joke. oh yeah. <laughs> um, you know I I'd never heard of him. I'll be honest with you until he was hired, and mm-hmm. then you go do your research. You know if you're a big fan and you and uh, I think it's a home run hire. I really do. Yeah, As a matter I, of fact, <laughs> I think he's young, so he's gonna he's gonna. I think one of the reasons Chris Kiffin left was. You know, like you said, recruiting's a young man's game, mm-hmm. and uh, at his at, at his <clears> point <throat> in life, you know, he's got soccer practices to go to and all this other stuff with kids that you know that he didn't have the last time he was with us. And uh, I think he's just like, dude, this is yeah, I'm gonna miss too much family time. Yeah, so and, and, go and back recruiting. to the league, and it's a regular job. And, He's been out for five years, and recruiting yeah. has completely changed in five years. Now it's oh, yeah. you want your ten coaches, your ten on-field coaches. Take away the two coordinators. The two coordinators yeah. are going to be um, Walkie X's, X's and those guys. But the other yeah. eight coaches, they're recruiters. You want ninety yep. percent of their job is recruiting. The other ten percent is relaying to the kids what the analyst has put in and done. Yeah, you just relay an information because you have X's and O's guys that are working at the same time that they're recruiting. You just need those recruiters to relay it to the kids. So you need exactly. a good communicator. And if they're a good recruiter, they're probably a good communicator. But I, I genuinely like Mo Crom. I mean, he yeah. dealt with massive play volume at Western Kentucky yeah, um, with Bailey Zappi and that crew um, on offense and turned into a very successful unit on defense. And was able to handle that play volume like really, really well. And because of that, he, I think he's going to meld in well with what we do. Now, I think so. I'm a proponent of the three safety system. You know, I, you've heard that over and over again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm a major proponent of that. But oh, yeah. he brings in some stuff that will allow us to do a little bit of four down stuff too, as well. And we have three techniques. And that that we can we can do that four down stuff. So you might see a four two five from time to time, a four one six. It might look a little bit different. Exactly. And our versatility is our strength defensively. Absolutely. I think, so. I think so. We're we're so much. We have so much more athleticism on the defensive line uh, next year than than we had this this year. Uh, you know, you add you add the kid from Georgia Tech. You add 
you had the the kid from uh, from Auburn, uh, mm-hmm. and you're just uh, you're looking at a couple of monsters, man. They're huge. They're fast. And then you got Xavier Harris, who is going to report to our um, Ole Miss at somewhere around 350 pounds at six foot eight. Yeah, yeah, it, by far the, the best defensive lineman in Mississippi this last year. Yeah, he is absolutely. It's like get in front of the center and take take up blockers. Yeah, Do he's. he's I yeah. don't think he's going to be a project. You know. No. Now, Katie Hill is probably going to start. Oh, yeah. He's got the experience. Yeah, and by the end of the year, he was actually pretty damn good. He was good. Really good. Yeah, but now you have somebody that can spell him. And you also have guys like Isaiah Iton. You have Jamon Gordon back. Even to go with Pegues, to go with Jared Ivey. Um, You got Damon Clowney back for the speed rushing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so much versatility in what you can do with different fronts. I mean, this is absolutely impressive. And you have players like Otis Reese and these box safeties that's going oh, yeah. to allow you to do all these different things because they're 220-pound guys that can run. All of yeah, and they it, hit too. Yeah, yeah, they they come they come real fast and they hit you hard. So, one, I, one, uh, of, one of the funniest things I heard was like one of the NFL draft guys said um, Otis Reese came back in school to, in order to become more physical, and I'm like, that's all he is is physical. He needs to come back dude. and be a more of a technician. That's a physical dude. I, I don't even think some of those guys look at film. Yeah. I mean, prior to this, uh, prior to this season, I was reading and they were somebody was busting on Matt Corral because his arm strength. Yeah, and I'm like, God, you got to be kidding me! It's like, come you on, know? guys. Yeah, come on. Come on, man. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Exactly. By the way, where do you think Corral's going to end up? <sighs> I hope I'm wrong. Because I just can't – I don't think I can bring myself to, to rooting for the Redskins, but I think he's going to – Well, they're not the Redskins anymore. They're the Commanders. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm old school, man. <laughs> hey, that, but, that's uh, a yeah, military name. I'm all about a military name. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that uh, he probably ends up there. I, I, would, I would like for him to slip uh, to the Saints, uh, but that's just me. That's yeah. just me. I, that's where I'd I, like him to be. What I think is going to happen is they're going to fall so much in love with Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett that those are going to be the first two quarterbacks off the board, and then he will fall to the Saints. I hope um, so. Um, because I, hope I, so. I, I could see somebody like Malik Willis going to Pittsburgh. I, I mean, oh, yeah. I could absolutely see that. I, and I could see um, Kenny Pickett. He just seems like a Washington Commanders-type quarterback. Yeah, um, that'd be fine with me. Yeah, I don't like and, him, and I don't like them. <laughs> the The problem will be is which of these highly rated teams are going to be willing to throw their whole draft away for a quarterback in the first 10 picks? Because yeah. there's going to be one team, and that could throw off everything. All of a sudden, you're looking at Corral going to the Commanders, and you know Kenny Pickett's going to the Steelers, and all of a sudden, Malik Willis is a – number two overall pick to the Detroit Lions, you know, something like that. And that wouldn't surprise me at all, especially once Willis goes up to the combine and just puts up yeah. obscene numbers because he's going to put up oh. obscene numbers. Oh, yeah. He's, he's got all the tools. What they need to do with Malik Willis, and this isn't hard, but he needs to be on the Steve McNair plan. And yeah. That means he needs to go to some place like Detroit 
And they tell him immediately, he's like, you're not going to play for two years. You're going to watch, you're going to absorb, you're going to practice. Jared, this is Jared Goff's team. You absorb everything with him, and then all of a sudden in year three, we're going to turn this over to you if you're ready. Yep. And that's, if you do that, that, you, that yeah, you, you have a chance with him. But I think I don't, so. But I think if they try to rush him in, and I think that's the way Kyle, uh, the NFL is right now, mm-hmm. um, he's not developed and polished enough to do it. I mean, he at this point, he's a worse Trey Lance. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I I just uh yeah, he's got the tools, but he he was in a he was in a league and in a system where I mean, I look what look what our defense did to him. I mean, they shut him down for the most part and uh you know, it's he's got a lot to learn about, I think, about coverages and mm. and other things like that and yeah, a couple of years would benefit him greatly. Yeah, the reality is at Liberty, he did not see SEC-level defenses. That's one advantage that SEC quarterbacks like Matt Corral will have yeah. is that he's seen those defenses. They're a little bit more complex. They're not quite NFL. You don't have the time to do all that stuff. But they are a little bit more complex than you could see at Louisiana Monroe. Exactly, and there's like more that. speed. Yeah. There's and more comparable speed. So the Smaller games, windows, yeah. Right. The game slowed down a little bit possibly for those guys but uh yeah i'd love to see matt at, at in new orleans that would you know we we seem to have always you know over the years we've had good legacy rebels end up down there and you know we had uh archie and deuce and 4k for a bit even yeah. <laughs> so you know it'd be nice to it, it'd be nice to have an, another rebel down in new orleans now what would be a horrible irony this would be a horrible irony, is if Matt Corral went to Pittsburgh and they had offensive line problems when the Saints are finally good. Because all we heard with Archie is if Archie had gone to the Pittsburgh Steelers, he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And oh, everybody talked about that. And if Matt Corral yeah. would have went to the Saints, this could be that argument. This could be setting up. If yeah. he'd have went to the Saints, yeah, he would oh, have yeah. done something else. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is on the table. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, this weekend, um, or tonight, actually, um, Ole Miss and Charleston Southern. Um, What are you looking for in this opening weekend of baseball? What what are you going to – you're going to hit the SEC plus? How you do it? Yeah, well, we've got – you know, we've got really good bats, I think. I think we've got the best group of bats we've had in a while. I think we've got some really good – well, I don't think I know. We've got some really good defensive players. Uh, You know, we've got Dunhurst and Gonzalez and – but and uh, and I don't Peyton uh, Chattanier or however you say it Chattanier. Uh, yeah, yeah, that uh, he's a good guy too. So uh, I, I'm looking at the pitching. Um, it's it, this is just my opinion, but what I've noticed over the last few years is it seems that as the year goes on, um, our pitchers get a little bit more worn out mm. towards the end of the season. And uh, I, I'm just hoping that we have a robust pitching staff. You know, we got the three, we, you know, the three starters, and we've got some you know, middle relief and some closing closers, and just enough pitching that we don't wear somebody out by the end of the year. I think the key you know? to the season. I think the key to the season will be um, Derek Diamond getting over his little mental block. He has a problem yeah. to be a little bit too hard on himself, and it snowballs yeah. on him. If yeah. he can, if he can just pitch the next pitch and do what he does, and he has fantastic stuff, 
He has a chance to yeah. be a very good Friday guy. He's not going to be he a does. dog, but he he's, he has a chance to be a very right. good Friday guy. But yeah. if he if he kind of goes down that rabbit hole of putting too much pressure on himself, yeah, it, 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 it could be a, it could be tough sledding for him, especially on Friday night. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking. At, I, I I enjoy baseball season, um, and uh, I hope we have a good season. I, you know, like I've told you before, I work with a lot of state folks, and they seem to think we're going to have a good season. Yeah, I, th- I think I think we can actually basically out hit teams to yeah to sixteen and fourteen, seventeen and thirteen. If we have a good pitching staff, you know. 18 and 12, 19 and 11 is a possibility. It's kind of like what we were talking last year. You know, we had this great offense in football, but we weren't sure about the defense. Mm-hmm. So if we could just get same, – same thing. If we could just get some decent pitching, uh, it, we could we could go a long way. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I forget what publication it was, but, um, yeah, we were picked to win the SEC in baseball this year by, by, by one service anyway. Yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah. it's yeah. – you know, you never know. You never know. Uh, and if you don't I have just, the starters you want or whatever's going on or somebody gets hot, you yep. have that closer. If you have that Landon Sims that Mississippi State had, all of a sudden exactly. they can help that staff and take a little pressure off of you. It, so it'll wait, be interesting. Exactly. Yeah, it'll yep. be interesting to see. But thank you for making the Locked on Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Um, next week we will have Bill Flowers on the show as we get the perspective of a former player. He talks about transfers and the 2003 season and all of that that we debut for you on this Locked On Ole Miss podcast. So now make the second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Tom, thank you as always. Um, I look forward to next week. We'll do it again. Um, But this, this is a lot of fun, man. I really enjoy it, man. Thanks a lot for having me. Oh, no problem, and um, yeah, enjoy the baseball this weekend. Yes, sir. You know it. Mm-hmm. Hotty toddy. Hotty toddy. <laughs>